Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Youth Sunday. If you would, please stand and join us in worship this morning. I was buried beneath my shame. And who could carry that kind of weight? It was my
again, everybody. My name is Destiny. I'm one of the worship leaders here and one of the student ministry residents. And I just want to take this time to welcome you here to Youth Sunday. Uh, it's a chance to really introduce you all to our, some of our students as we lead you in worship. And uh, before you sit down, please be nice to the introvert sitting next to you and introduce yourself, say hello, and you may be seated after that. All right. Good morning. Okay, uh, no, 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 this is Youth Sunday. Youth Takeover so, Sunday. I'm so sorry. We're going to have to try that again. Let's go back. Let's okay. go back. All right, all right. Let's just go back. All right, let's go again. Let's go again. All right, all right. Good, Good morning. Good morning, Hope Saginaw. Yeah, okay. There we go. Let's see. It feels better to me. It does. My name is Brent. I'm the student pastor here. My name is Nick. I am now a junior guides leader for a youth that takes place on Sunday nights. They graduated, so it's like a... Oh, yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's thing. not like you're, you're smaller. It's just no. that they are juniors in high school. Age-wise, yes. Yes, yes. And we are so excited to be here this morning. We're super excited to hang out with you guys. Uh, but we are taking over this Sunday, and so true to form, we have to play a game. Got to play a game. So what, I know you just sat down, but we're totally going to ask you guys to stand back up. Okay, just go ahead and stand please. up. I assure you this game is not difficult, okay? It's very, very simple. Now, what we need you to do is we need you to make a decision. That decision is between three options. You either put one arm in the air, two arms in the air, or no arms in the air. Can we do that? Yeah, yeah. So I'm just, I work with middle schoolers. You don't understand. I have to go slow uh, because they got to get, no offense to my middle schoolers. You know I love you, okay? So everybody, we're going to do a practice round. Everybody just choose what you want. Now, I would encourage you not to go with your neighbor, okay? Just choose your one arm, two arm, or no arms. Choose. This is you versus you here. Two, I like that. All right, got it. Okay. And then here's Solid. what's going to happen on the screen. You're going to see on the screen a nice little ditty, and this is going to play. Go ahead, guys. No whammies, no whammies, no whammies. All right, so in this scenario, if you had two arms up, you go ahead and sit down, okay? Ooh. That was, oh, that was practice. That was practice. Ooh. God's grace is sufficient. Come on, okay. somebody. Come on. Come All right, on. are we ready to play? All right, here we go. What are you going with? Dubbies. It's me versus me, Brent. <laughs> totally. <laughs> None. If you have no arms in the air, go ahead and sit down. You may sit. Thanks for playing. Because we know you didn't want to play Come anyway. again next time. All right, here we go again. We're going again. Choose, choose, choose. Ah! Woo! Blast. Hey, Brent, be better. <laughs> be better. <laughs> oh, man. Continue. Here, here we, we go, go again. Choose, got it. Here we go. Okay, we're well. starting to thin out the crowd. Now, I want to yes. see, uh, you actually want to match the screen this time, okay? That's you good. want to match it, all right? all right? We're going to try to get a little few, fewer people up. Go ahead. Yeah, all right. Ooh. Where are one-armed people at? If you have anything besides one arm, go ahead and sit down. Anything besides yep. an arm, sit down. you want to match it. I see a couple, two arms up. Yep, yep, yep. We're yep, trying yep, to get yep. down to a couple want, of people. We want okay. a few. Let's go again. Let's see what we get. One arm. If you've got Shoot. one arm, go up. You're up. If you have one arm left, come on up to the front. Yes, come on up. Come I up. know. Yes. <laughs> Just like, oh, I didn't no, have one arm. It's going to be great. Come on. One come arm. On. Yeah, yeah. It's we'll going to be fun. Two. two is fine. Two's good. We got one over here, one over here. We need a fourth, though. We do. Who doesn't mind coming up? Yep, she's like, yeah, I'm yeah. Don't there worry about go. that. There we Fear go. Fear not. 
All right, we're going to, everybody just be very careful coming up the steps here, nice and slow, nice and easy. All right, no rushing, no, no, no whammies, you know? No whammies. We only lost one person today, so we're doing yes. okay so far. That's good. So we're going to play another game that we do in youth. This is a fun game for us. We, get, we do this game typically on the floor between two people, but we're going to put it on the table so that nobody has to bend over, okay? Nobody hits their heads or anything like that. Uh, that's why we buy ice packs, just so you know. That's why. Um, that's the single this reason. This game is called Quick Draw, with an emphasis on the quick, okay? So your quick. hands will be down at your side, and yes. we will say something like head. Shoulders. Shoulders. Knees. We won't say knees or we toes. Won't. We're here for the people. Uh, nose, ears, and after we say cup, your job is to get the cup first. Quick okay? draw. So we're going to do this. Quick draw. You two going against each other. Come on up. Yep, you go ahead right here. And you guys want to stand. Yep, you're facing off. I mean, don't worry about the crowd. This is just us. Okay? So we're going to start. All right, we'll say head. Go ahead and touch your head. Yep. Shoulders. Cup. Very good. Very good. There, That's yeah, a good one. look at that speed. That's a good one. So in this instance, you would be out. Okay, but that was a practice round because we got. But again, you know, grace is sufficient. Remember, grace is yeah. sufficient. Here we Come go. On. All right, go ahead with shoulders, ears, nose, cup. Super quick. Go ahead. Quick Thank draw. you for playing. Everybody, quick give a round of applause for playing. Be very careful on the way down. You stand right over here. Next two, we're in it. All right, now you've seen it. Okay. Remember this. We don't like you guys are not friends right now. Okay. <laughs> That's, okay. We'll be friends in a minute. All right. We'll be friends in a minute. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right, you ready? Shoulders, elbows, nose, ears, cut. Whoa! Oh, Speedy, thank you so fumble. much for playing. Appreciate that. Round of applause here. Grand championship match. Oh, look at this. Oh, this is it. Sportsmanship. This is it. what we're about. Okay, this is better. Now, this, this is, is for good. bragging rights. For everybody in this room, if you win this game, we are going to give you this cup. And you can walk around and be like, pink. you guys remember? Pink, Jason. You remember that it's one a good time? Pink here. Um, this is very important. Oh, and we also give out high fives. We so, do. Uh, it's a thing. Budgets. It's cool. All right, so let's go ahead with head, shoulders, nose, shoulders, cup. Oh! Super speed out. Thank you so much for playing. Thank give you a round of applause Thank up you. here. You get to you take get this cup. cup home. Let's give it How up. How great is that? I got it. You want to take it? Absolutely. Whew. It's just a little glimpse of what we do on a Sunday night, right, Anthony? My boy, there we go. Hey, welcome to Youth Takeover Sunday. We are so glad to be here. Uh, youth Sunday is literally just a chance for youth to come and give the rest of the church a view as to what happens on a, on a normal Sunday night. Sometimes it's games, sometimes it's you know, more worship-heavy, but we're here to, to live for it today. It's going to be pretty cool. Um, but we have some announcements. We do have as some we do every week. We have announcements. Up. Yeah. Our first announcement. First, first announcement. We have a veterans support group information meeting uh, happening on Tuesday, August 6th from 6.30 to 7.30. It's going to be on my right, your left in the venue. Uh, you don't need to sign up for that. So you just need Correct. to show up. Um, so just come as you would like to. Again, 6.30 to 7.30. Check it out. Need more information? Welcome center out in the lobby. And a little sneak peek on some of the things that are going on outside of our walls. We actually sent a trip to the Dominican Republic recently. We sent a whole team, and these are some of the things that happened. They were able to put doors and windows on the building down there. Uh, they painted it clearly. I mean, just mega transformation opportunities right there. Uh, they were able to see over 700 patients between their medical and dental teams uh, in four different locations. And one of the cooler parts, I think, is that uh, there were three members of our team, although everybody was certainly impacted, there were three members of our team that were actually baptized in the Caribbean 
in wow. there, which wow. is really cool. You guys give a clap for that. That's pretty cool. Uh, and this is our team that went, and we had an awesome opportunity to send these guys, uh, and it was really cool to have baptisms happening on the DR trip. So three baptisms. You guys might not know this, but simultaneously at that moment in uh, Bay City Hopevale, we were having baptisms as well. At the same time, four people got baptized, took the next step, profession of faith. We had Pat, Nehemiah, Zach, and then the last guy, Dennis was his name, um, he had actually been, he got pneumonia the week before, and doctors was like, hey, you can't get baptized, and Dennis was like, I'm getting baptized, because I'm here to get <laughs> yeah. baptized. I'm he telling said. these people about my, my faith walk. So we, uh, we baptized him. We got a five-gallon bucket and did a little pour action, and he was there walking the next week. It was, it was insane. It was really cool. It was awesome. It was really anyway, cool. so this is the cool thing that's happening that inside that and outside of the church. I just think it's really awesome that we have an opportunity that we can send people to the DR or we can do this in our backyard and people are coming to know Jesus in a new way and they're taking their next steps and their faith journey with Jesus Christ uh, by going and getting baptized. And we'd certainly love to talk to any of you if you have any questions about that or what that looks like. At this time, we're going to ask our offering ushers to come on forward. Uh, and this is a part of our service every week where we take some time to kind of walk in obedience with what God has taught us about our finances. Uh, and, and this is something, if it's your first time here, we, we love you guys. We're so excited you're here. Please don't feel obligated, but there is a welcome ministry uh, table in the back that you would want to hang out at and go see uh, if you're a first-time guest. And also, as we get ready for this, this is one of those moments where we have an opportunity to live holy toward the gospel. Uh, because your generosity sparks trips like the Dominican Republic and it sparks trips like our, our recent Chicago trip for students. There's all sorts of things that your generosity goes to both in our cities and communities and abroad. So we're so thankful for you guys. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we have an opportunity to come together on a Sunday morning. Lord, we thank you that we have the opportunity to be here. We thank you that we have the opportunity to take over Youth Sundays and do all these crazy, awesome, fun things. And Lord, we thank you that we have teammates out in Bay City doing the same thing. God, how cool is it that we could send the team to the DR and have baptisms happening on one of our campuses and in the Dominican Republic? How cool is that? And it is only by you that we're able to do those things. We can't thank you enough for the breath in our lungs. And as we prepare to worship you with that breath and with our offering and with this, all of the things that are coming up this week, God, I pray that we would just take a minute, slow down, and worship you fully. In your holy, precious name, amen. Well, we're going to continue to worship this morning, um, but I encourage you guys to stay seated as the offering plates are passed by, and we'll get you up in a second.
Yeah. 
God, we come here today with grateful hearts for the sacrifice that you made to give us this living hope, God. We recognize how undeserving we are of that great gift of Jesus' death and resurrection, God. The foundation of the justification and salvation of our souls, God. We are so unworthy of it, and yet you looked down at us and you said, but I love you. And that is why you sacrificed your son for us, God. I pray that we would have open minds and open hearts to hear the message that Pastor Brent has prepared for us this morning, God. And that it would be a reminder for where our priorities should lie, God. In your mighty, awesome, and holy name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Church. Yes, I am so excited to be here. Uh, my name is Brent. I'm the student pastor here at Hopevale. I love what I do, but I need you to also understand when I say good morning, Hopevale Church, I'm not just talking about you. I'm talking about our Bay City campus as well, uh, which is actually still, they're setting up right now, which is so cool. If you haven't been out to the Bay City campus, if you haven't explored what's happening over there, some of those guys get up at 7 a.m. to get set up to have church. And I, I love that because there's this, there's this beautiful thing. When you come to a church here and you have a building, which is awesome, it's a good thing, um, and then you get to the grassroots, which is happening out in Bay City, uh, there's this kind of we're in it togetherness. Well, a nest, you know, uh, and I love that. I love that. My wife actually works in the Bay City campus as well. Uh, and so I'm saying hi to her because, you know, she my boo. <laughs> and then also um, I'm saying hi to all of our kids ministries. If you if you're in here and you've ever experienced our kids ministry as a parent, uh, where you could just like kind of let them be back there and you could come in here. Uh, that's, that's a lot of hard work to do that. There's a lot of volunteers that go into that. There's a lot of people who give up time, energy, resource. I mean, they go for it in our kids' ministry. I'm also talking about my boy Rob Quinn out in preteen. Uh, if you have a preteen, that's what's up, man. Those guys are doing amazing stuff back there. And then I'm also talking about student ministries, but I'm like super biased about that. So like, I'll just let that one slide. We're also talking about all of our adult ministries, the small groups, and all the things that are happening. I mean, this awesome veterans group that's going to be happening. I mean, that's just so cool, all of the things that are happening at Hopevale Church. So when we say good morning, Hopevale Church, it's bigger than just in here. So can you guys give God some, like, praise for that? I mean, that's, like, kind of a cool, it's kind of a cool thing. It's kind of really cool. 
There are a couple of things you need to know about me before we get started into today. No, I am not Sam. Uh, Sam is on a little siesta with his wife. They're having a great time hanging out, getting some much needed rest. So he asked me to do this uh, series with him called Plot Twist. And I got really excited because I love a good plot twist. Uh, But I want to show you a couple of things. First, this is my family. Uh, My plot twist and my wife's plot twist is over there on the right. Uh, We weren't really expecting him. uh, But yes, he's here. So... (laughs) <laughs> Surprise! Uh, it was super fun. Uh, it's super fun to be in. This is my wife, Dana, and my son, Riker. I love these guys. This is like my proof of life. Uh, this, these guys just give me joy, and they're so, so much fun. They're so much fun to hang out with. Like, this is his normal face. Um, so, like, you guys are like, oh, what a great photo. No, that's normal, uh, which is crazy to us. We don't feel like we deserve that uh, uh, because we... Uh, we were punks when we were growing up. But my wife, Dana, she, again, works at Bay City, uh, and it's really cool. My wife and I have actually uh, been married for seven years. Uh, Riker is one and a half years old. And we, my wife and I, before Riker came into the picture, we've gone all over the country doing student ministries. As a matter of fact, we started here. We started as middle school directors of our student ministry program over here at Hopevale Church. Uh, and within a year, God had kind of worked through my wife and I, and we knew we couldn't stay here, so we had to go. And we ended up landing in Denver, Colorado. I would show you pictures, but I'm not mean, okay? Because Denver, Colorado is beautiful. It's unbelievable. And then we found ourselves getting a phone call from a gentleman you may know named Mike Garner saying, hey, Brent, I'm moving to Texas. What you guys doing? And I said, well, I'm not moving to Texas, Mike. So about three weeks later, we were on our way to Texas, and we ended up working with Mike and Rhonda uh, at North Lake Church down there and had a blast with that. Just three years of ministry next to people that we love dearly. And then we found ourselves in a position where we were were on our way back up north. Uh, We knew that God was calling us north, and primarily we knew that God was calling us to the Bay City Saginaw area. But at the time, the only opportunity was in Ann Arbor. And so a church picked us up in Ann Arbor, uh, and I was able to work in Ann Arbor for two years. And then this opportunity came up, and Sam gave me a call said, hey, what would you think about? And I was like, yes, the answer is yes. We, we know we're called up here. Uh, we know that we need to be here. So we're here to stay. Sorry, uh, you're stuck with us for a while, but we're super excited to be here. Uh, there are a couple of things that you need to know is although we've moved all around the world, all around the country doing student ministry, we absolutely love being here. And I absolutely love doing student ministries. It's one of my favorite things. And this is kind of a a piece of our puzzle that you guys should know about us. Also, what you should know is that there is something that drives me every morning. And this is a big kind of part of our conversation today is that I believe every day that God is not done. That the Holy Spirit's still working. That Jesus is going to finish what he started on the cross and with an empty grave. And that our opportunity is to join him. And the work that he's doing. So if you're here and you're like, man, I don't know about this whole Jesus thing. I just want to let you know my whole faith is lying in an event in history that there was an empty grave. That 2,000 years later, we're only talking about history if it's a footnote in the story of who Jesus was and who he is. And so I am convinced that the Holy Spirit is going to continue to do a good work in and through all of us in this room. And we're going to start with that conversation. So I want you guys to know how I grew up a little bit. I grew up in Michigan. I grew up right in Saginaw, Michigan. I love being from Saginaw, Michigan. When I was growing up, I didn't love it. Now I do love it. And uh, my dad gave me a specific set of rules when I got the keys to my first car, okay? I got these rules with the keys. The first rule was have fun, but tell us where you're going. It's like, okay, that makes sense. We gotta check in. I get that. Easy rule. Parents, can I get an amen? 
Yeah, okay, fella, ladies, all of our students out there, when you can drive, just check in, okay? Your parents don't want to hate you, but they will if you don't check in, all right? And that's just a freebie. That's for you, not for me, okay? Check in, have fun, but let me know where you are. The second rule my dad had uh, came out of a, his biggest fear um, was getting a phone call in the middle of the night. Parents, can I get an amen? And uh, his biggest fear was that we would get a phone call in the middle of the night. That was a bigger fear than letting me loose, <laughs> which is kind of funny. And so he decided that one of my rules was that I was not allowed to drive between 1.30 and 3.30 a.m. So my dad said, if you're out there having fun and checking in and you're up at 1.30, you pull over and you sleep in your car. And I did because my dad gave me a very, very clear rule, very, very clear rule. Do that. And then the third rule my dad gave me was don't be dumb, which is such a vague rule, <laughs> you know? So I had the opportunity uh, to grow up with this kind of curfew thing that my dad gave me when I was 16. And I spent a lot of my summers driving all over Michigan. I spent a lot of my summers going all over the place. I loved it. I loved the freedom that came with me. But inevitably, as a 16, 17, 18 year old high school student, I would find myself nearing the dumb tree and then just climbing right up it. You know what I'm talking about? And then my dad would ask me a very specific question when he would come to find me in the dumb tree. He would say, anybody know it? So, yeah. What were you thinking? And I'd be like, I'm in the tree, dad. I don't know what I was thinking. Right? And everybody in this room, you guys all have friends. You have, you have kids. You have parents. Everybody's been asked this question or you've asked this question. Right? Parents, can I get a little bit of excitement when we ask, what are you thinking? And then a small part of you dies inside. When your child, whom you've loved and raised, so intentionally says, Oh, come on! Yes, you're in my notes. When they tell you, I don't know. And you're like, what? I know you know, because I taught you to know you know. Right? And so parents, I want to get you a little bit of information. Uh, my degree is in psychology and sociology. I love the physiology of the brain. It just, I, it fascinates me. I'm weird like that. And this is from a recent study uh, that was done in a psychological article, I believe by UCLA. Uh, I actually will get you guys that information in the future because I know I looked at it and I did it from a psychological study. I'm not making this up. Here we go. The reason behind I don't know. You ready, parents? Get ready. This is going to hurt. It doesn't matter how smart teens are or how well scored on the SAT or ACT. Good judgment isn't something they can excel in. And you guys are like, yeah, check. At least not yet. Okay. The rational part of a teen's brain isn't fully developed until about the age of 25. Some teenagers hit that quicker than others. Those are the ones that you let have more freedom than others. If you're in here and you're a teenager and you're like, why does my older brother get to do that? You're like, because he hit it first, okay? That's called life and age and time. Like, those are things you can't change, like, all right? What is my, why did he get to go? Because they're older and they're, I, I'm not gonna say this, like, it's not you, it's me. Like, they're smarter because their brain is more developed, literally, all right? A lot of people just, you know, I'm trying to help you guys out. In fact, Recent research has found that adult and teen brains work differently, to which my adults are like, yeah. Adults think with the prefrontal cortex, the brain's rational part. Okay, all you adults in here, hopefully, are thinking with your prefrontal cortex. You're thinking rationally about life, about stuff. You're thinking rationally about all the things that are going on. 
That is the part of the brain that responds to situations with good judgment and an awareness of long-term consequences. Teens process from the amygdala, which is the emotional part of the brain. Which means that when you ask the question, what were you thinking? In a teen's brain, the connections between rational thought are still connecting. Teens, it's important for you to know that what were you thinking, adults, is actually kind of a bad question because your teen wasn't actually thinking, they were kind of feeling. And we've all been there. You have things, you still don't know why you did it 10, 20 years ago. And you weren't thinking so much as you were feeling. <laughs> Do we need to go further? <laughs> and you were up in the tree with me. We were together. And this is the beautiful part is that I want to just kind of bring awareness that we've all sat in this situation. We've all sat in a situation where we have felt, but we haven't really thought. And the question or term, I don't know, has come out of our mouths, the same as come out of our kids' mouths. And this is why I love my job. This is why I love student ministries. This is why if I ever were called out of student ministries, it would be very difficult for me because I love being the piece of wiring together the thinking and the feeling. When I ask questions, what are you feeling? They respond to me with what they're feeling. And then I say, well, here's what I'm thinking. As I see your life being, have been up that tree, trust me when I tell you that what you're feeling and what you're thinking need to collide so that you can make a wise decision. And if that like, excites you at all, hi, my name is Brent. We'd love to have you as a student ministry small group leader. It would be great to have you. But if it doesn't excite you at all, it's cool because the reality is this is why I do my job. This is why I love what I do. Because I get the opportunity to connect a feeling with thinking. So your kid, in their defense, they actually didn't know. And in your defense, you actually didn't know. Because while it's incredibly easy to be critical of our past, it's extremely difficult to be critical in our present. While it's extremely easy to be critical of our past, it's very difficult to be critical of our present. And once more, it's very difficult to be critical of our future. We're going into a conversation about critical thinking. We're going into a conversation, we're going to end our plot twist with critical thinking. And the reason we're going to end that is because we believe that if we thought more critically about our present and our future, that we would make far better decisions and have far less regrets. Now, before we get there, I want to kind of communicate to you a little bit about the tension that you're feeling is because the tension that you've got going on in you is that you've made decisions and you still don't know. You've made decisions where, where you've worked through some things and you were kind of, you know, you were feeling it and right, you were in it. And I believe it was Dirks Bentley who said, I was thinking about a little white tank top sitting right there in the middle by, listen to country music, people. And I was thinking about a long kissed man not knowing where the light, night might lead. And I don't know what I was thinking, but I knew what I was feeling, right? And so this is kind of interwoven into every decision that we make is you've got to take the two and you've got to connect them together. And it's important for you because there were situations in your life where you got really critical about what was happening in your life. Some of you, it was with your health. Some of you, you got really critical about your health. And you were like, man, if I continue to do this, now either a doctor told you you must get critical or you decided it on your own. But somewhere in the world, you started thinking more about your health, right? And you started making decisions to help you have more longevity on the earth. 
Or for some of you, it was your finances. You took a financial piece university conversation and you turned that into a critical thought about your finances and you made some decisions and you cut back on some spending and you, and you prepared for the future and you got really, really critical and you're sitting here on the other side of that saying, man, I'm so glad I did. What if we didn't, right? For some of you, you got really critical about your relationships. As a matter of fact, you got so critical about your relationships that the woman or man sitting next to you whom you are in relationship with isn't the one that you were the most critical with, which led you to a better situation. And some of you, you got really critical about your faith. At one point in time, this whole thing was just something you heard once, something you experienced in maybe a building like this where someone came up and told you about it, but then you were like, man, I got to figure this out. I got to actually explore this. I actually got to get into this stuff. And you started thinking through it and you started processing through it and you started working through it. And on the other side of it, you've known Jesus better and more closely, more intimately than you ever did before. And this is the beautiful part about critical thinking because when done right, it can save your life. You see in the middle of the night, orange jumpsuit, bloody axe, scary mask. Critical thinking says, I'm just going to kind of keep driving. This feels... uh, maybe you should lead them. I'm just kidding. You should keep driving. This could save your life. You see a clown, never trust the clown. If your job is clowning, I apologize. Okay. But the clowns, who knows what's coming out of their pockets, man? I don't know. And then the reality is you've seen this in situations in your life, right? You've had things go well and you've had critical thinking work for you. And it probably was after the age of 25 that you started to get really critical This is why I love what I do. And then we've also seen this go wrong. We've seen the conversation shift where it's more feeling than thinking, right? And you've experienced this. And when you tell somebody your story or somebody tells you their story, whether it's your kid or friend or brother or sister or that dude you met at Myers, which is kind of weird, but now you're in it kind of conversation. And you're in these middle of these moments and you start listening to their story. And you as a critical thinker, outside objective thinker, looking at the story, you're like, dude, don't you see the red lights? Don't you see the problem with what you're doing? Don't you see that this is leading you down a path that you don't want to actually be down? Don't you see this going on? And you begin to look at their story critically, and we all become experts in someone else's stuff, right? We're all experts on their life. Oh, man, you should have seen this coming. And then you find yourself in the same situation. You see, you guys were all hardwired to be critical, You're all hardwired in a culture to be critical. Here's how I know that. Have you ever watched the Food Network? Have you ever seen how many shows on there are just about celebrating the food? No. (laughs) It's a competition always, and people are always critiquing it. For those of you guys who've never watched the Food Network, but you have internet, have you ever gone on to Yelp? It fascinates me that people take 10 to 15 minutes to complain on Yelp. It's fascinating to me. If you're one of those people, I still love you. You don't have to tell me that. It just fascinates me that you spent 10 to 15 minutes critiquing something that uh, could have been bad. I actually have a friend uh, who, when I was in college, I would always ask her, are you going to rateyourprofessor.com? Because you can actually see who's better rated, who gives easier homework, all these things. And my friend, she said, no, I'm never going to do that. And I said, why not? Tell me why. And she said, because I don't want someone else deciding for me what's best for me. Because I don't know how hard they put it how much effort they put in. I'm not going to rate a professor based on how they teach. I'm going to rate a professor based on how much I learned. Changed my life. She's on Capitol Hill. She's, she is in Washington DC killing it. And I love that she's out there, 
But this is the beauty of critical thinking. This is the beauty of what we've seen. And how many of you have ever gone to the movies? Go ahead and raise your hand. You can raise your hand in church. It's okay. How many of you show up after the previews? Oh, one. Okay, I didn't know that. I show up for the previews. I live for the previews because I want to take a two to three minute snapshot of a two to three hour full length film without any context, any character development and any plots. And I just want to judge it. You know, you just want to get in there and say, um, yeah, I actually, I would watch that film. <laughs> or you want to get in there and be like, no, not for me. And you feel the urge to voice it out loud so everybody in the theater can hear you. You know what I'm saying? You're like, and then you hear someone else, and you're like, amen, brother. <laughs> I hear you over there. And this is the point, is you were raised in a critical culture. You were raised where everything is cr critiqued, everything is graded. And so it shouldn't surprise us that as a church, and as a ministry, and as a, as a people coming together to further the kingdom of God, that sometimes, here comes the hit, get ready, sometimes we have a tendency to be a little bit critical of our friends and family and neighbors and teammates. And this is the plot twist that we're talking about today. In Romans, Paul starts to begin a conversation. And the conversation starts a lot like this. He's saying, listen, when you guys are getting ready to address the church, when you're getting ready to address the church, you have to address it within a set of guidelines and rules. But when you're getting ready to address people outside of the church, that's different. And so this was communicated to the church. So if you're here and you believe in Jesus as your personal savior, you believe he died, was buried, and he rose again on the third day, this is for you. And this is what it says in Romans. It says this. For this very reason, in Romans 14, verse 9 through 10, for this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. He is not talking about the people in the grave and the people above the grave. He's talking about the spiritually dead and the spiritual living, okay? He's talking about people who know Jesus and people who don't. That's why he died. He died for all of them. He's out here saying so that he could be the Lord, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? You see, what critical thinking does is it starts out as a small critique. And then it becomes cynicism, which is pessimism, which is that nobody's doing this right. And then it shifts into some judgment where all of them are against all of us. And Paul is saying to the church, why then do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat as it is written. As surely as I live, this is God speaking in Isaiah, as surely as I live, the Lord says, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God, so then each of us will give an account of all of our neighbors to God. Each of us is going to give an account of our brothers and our sisters. No, what does it say? Each of us are going to give account of? Come again? What's that mean? You. It's you versus you. You judge you. You do you. I got to do me. I got to work through my stuff. You got to work through your stuff. That you are supposed to be critical about yourself. You see, critical, getting critical about yourself and not others. Because when you judge others for your worldview, 
Jesus said it something like this. This is what he said in Matthew. Jesus said it like this. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust, very small, in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? This is the same concept. This is the same conversation. Why are you so concerned with your brother? Why are you so concerned with what they're doing? Why are you so concerned with that Facebook post? Why are you so concerned with their Instagram? Why are you so concerned with them? Why are you always judging what they're doing, judging what they're saying, judging what they're acting? And you have spent zero time judging you. Why do you always feel that way about your brother and think not about yourselves? It's a challenging thought. He goes on to say, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? And I just, I just this is how my brain works, so I'm going to apologize. Uh, this is how my brain works. I kind of view like this big plank in your eye. And like if I even tried to take a speck out of your eye, I would hit you in the face with the plank in my eye. Does that make sense? Like, ah, oh, man, that hurts. And it's amazing to us that we get so confused why people get hurt when we're trying to criticize them, but we haven't criticized ourselves. And in my brain, it's because you hit them in the side of the head with a plank. Why would you do that? That's what he's saying. How can you say to your brother that way? You hypocrite. This is a big word. You hypocrite. And we're like, no, 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 no. I'm working on my plank. But you got stuff. (laughs) And what Jesus is saying is work on your plank first. You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly enough to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And here's the deal is... um, As Christians, we have a hard time. We have a hard time taking the plank out of our own eye because it's very difficult to see. Did you know that your critique about yourself is a lot harsher and a lot more intimate and intense than anybody else's would be? Did you know it hurts when you're taking a plank out of your eye? I mean, you get a sliver, that hurts. Think about a whole piece of wood in your eye. Did you know that it's not easy to take a plank out of your eye first? This does not say never critique your neighbors. This does not say never stand out, never talk to them, never work. What this says is you take care of you first. You see, when we shift from the us versus them to the you versus you model of thinking, we start to read scripture a little bit differently. As a matter of fact, some of you are like critiquing me right now. I would have said that different. I would have done that different. And you're kind of missing the point of this. The point is, you do you. I'll do me. I'm going to work on me. And then everybody, as a church, we should come together and we should work together for the glory of our Father in heaven. Not for the glory of my feelings. It's possible, I'm going to say this statement, it's possible that your feelings are wrong. We know this based on the tree that I stood in and that you've stood in. We know this because of you felt one time. (laughs) And Paul is saying this, saying judge yourself first. And Jesus is saying work on you first. He's not saying don't ever go into the world and help him out. Later on, in, uh, later on in scripture, he'll actually call Peter out for holding people who don't know Jesus according to the law of people who do, uh, which is another thing, which is a future conversation I'll let Dan take care of. Uh, but the point is this, is that, is that we tend to take our world and we tend to judge people based on our worldview. But Jesus is saying, did you not know that I, I came for everybody? 
And Paul is saying, did you not know that this is a free gift for everybody? Did you not know that everybody involved gets the opportunity to know Jesus? That everybody involved, this is the opportunity that they get the chance to know Jesus. And so you in your world, you need to get really critical about you. And it's incredibly difficult. I said this earlier. It's so easy, so easy to get critical about our pasts. But it's incredibly difficult to be critical about your present and your future. And so what we're going to do here is we all have a tendency to get critical of our past. And not so much our past, but everybody's past. We criticize everybody. But rarely are we critical of our stuff. And we are saying we want you in this plot twist, this double-edged sword. Critical thinking can keep you alive, but it can also be very, very dangerous. It can hurt you really bad, and it can hurt your friends that you love really bad, and it can hurt your, your neighbors that you love really bad. You see, here's the point is we want all of our neighbors to know Jesus, but we don't even know their names. You don't even know the people's names that live next to you. How are they going to know Jesus if, they, if you don't even know them? And this is what I think was the heart of what Jesus was saying. We have a tendency in our lives to judge our intention. We critique our own intentions, but we critique everybody else's actions. We, create, we critique our intention. My heart, was doing, my heart was in the right place. I meant to do this. I didn't mean for that to be. But we critique everybody else's actions. And so the best way to combat that the best way to fight against that is to get to know them. The best way to fight cynicism and judgmentalism, if that's a word, I don't know, I made one up, cool, is to get to know them, to get curious about your neighbors, to get curious about your friends and that situation and that family. Because here's what we do. Oh, I can't wait for this. Sometimes we take a two to three minute snapshot on a three hour full length feature film and we judge the snapshot without knowing the whole context. And isn't it true that when you were judged and then people came in alongside you and got to know you, got to know your heart, got to know what you were feeling and what you were thinking, isn't it true that when they got to know that, that their posture shifted toward you? Isn't that true? Isn't it true when you've been in a situation where you really just, man, this is just, oh, this has my heart, it's bothering me. And then I go and I talk to somebody. And I say, what were you thinking, man? Tell me what was going on. What were you feeling? Give me some insight. Give me some context. And you hear it. And you're like, man, that changes everything. I didn't know that. This happens all the time in our world. What we see of celebrities and what we see of these people in the world that are, that are out there that are doing these things, what we see... And then when we take an opportunity to get to know the full story, and that's a different conversation. And Jesus is saying this. He's saying, get to know it. Take plank out of your eye. Paul's saying, let's get a little less critical for a second. Because everybody in this room, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, everybody was, was at one point in time prodigal. Did you know that everybody in this room who knows Jesus needed Jesus? Isn't that interesting? All of us. Every one of us, myself included, Pastor Dan included, Pastor Paul, Pastor Sam, Pastor Steve, all of us need Jesus. You need Jesus, I need Jesus, whole world needs Jesus, and that's the point. And sometimes we take our standing and we become hypocrites, we become Pharisees who know about Jesus but don't live like Jesus. 
And so what we're asking you in this plot twist is you think about your critical thought and your critical thinking is, would you please get to know Jesus so that you can engage your neighbor, your loved ones, your friends? A couple of things that we're going to take this and then we're going to be done. First thing is this, is that some of you need to get really critical about a current situation happening in your life. Like it's happening right now and you've been, you've been like kind of like leaving it off, leaving it off, leaving it off. And I'm going to be, be honest, I'm not, I don't know you guys, like you don't know me, but most times that's in a relationship you maybe shouldn't be in or you're making some financial decisions you shouldn't be making or you need to get really critical about your health because it's not going well right? Or you're in a situation where you need to get critical about your faith because you tell me that you don't believe in Jesus, but you've never read the gospel kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Like read the gospel, then let's talk. You know what I'm saying? I'd love to have that conversation. But the point is, if you don't know it, how can you not, how can you know? You got to read it. Or some of you got to get really critical about a thing in your life. And you need to get critical about that thing in your life because it matters. Because we all have a tendency to have regret. And if you got really critical now with that thing happening in your life, you might have less regret. Some of you need to invite trusted criticism into your life. Some of you need to go out there. I have a group of mighty men. I call them my mighty men. They're all over the country because I've made best friends. And it's amazing the people out in the world right now. Uh, but I've made best friends with some of my friends. And they, they have the freedom in my life to tell me what I need to hear and not what I want to hear which is a distinct difference. They have the freedom to get really critical about me. And I gave that to them. Some of you need to do that. Some of you, you've been trying to decide things on your own and you need to invite people in. Trusted people that you can love and care for, that you know they got your back. It's not a question of whether or not they're with you. The answer is yes, we're with you, but you've got to do some things. You need to invite that in. And for some of you guys, you need to just go to your neighbor and hear their story. You just need to go next door and just ask them to dinner or say, hey, can I just get to know you? I don't know you. My, my seminary professor used to tell me, it's like asking somebody on a date. <laughs> it's awkward. But you go to the date and you're kind of like, oh, this is kind of fun. You got to just get to know your neighbor because we've been critiquing them for a while without knowing them at all. Or some of you, you need to go to that person that you've been critical about and you need to ask for forgiveness for your critiques of them, for your judgments of them because you got a two to three minute snapshot probably on a social media post but you didn't get the whole story. And you need to ask them for forgiveness for making a decision critically on a snapshot without knowing the whole context. So this is, this is how we live in a world where the Holy Spirit can continue to do what he does. Is we get really critical about us. And when we get really critical about us, I assure you, you will be able to love your neighbor better. And that's the plot twist. Is that when you put in the work on you, you have the opportunity to love people more based on critical thinking. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for an opportunity to be here. We thank you so much for an opportunity to communicate these truths, even though they're hard truths. 
God, we thank you for your words through Paul and your words written for us and recorded for us in Matthew. We can't thank you enough, God, for the opportunity to get to know people around us that like if the gospel is real which I believe it is with my whole being that that grave was empty then that means everybody in the world needs to know about you and that the job isn't finished until they do and if the job isn't finished until everybody knows about you God I pray that we would be the generation and the church and the movement that lets people know about you and that we would do that with our actions first that we would do that before we start making decisions and making judgments. We just get to know some people first. And that we would love people. Even in the midst of their storm, even in the midst of their story, even in the midst of all the things that are going wrong. That we would love them. That we would love them first. And get to know them second. And pursue them. To think critically about their own lives. Third. God, I thank you for this church. I know that your work is not done in Saginaw, Michigan or Bay City, Michigan or wherever you're going to send us. I can't wait. We thank you in your holy and precious name. Amen. Romans 8, 6 says, So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Life and peace. Two things that recently I've honestly been struggling to feel in my life. Um, I don't know what all of you came in here with today, but personally I'm going through a pretty significant battle. And when we're in the middle of these storms, it's so easy to get distracted so easy to get overwhelmed by emotions of dread and fear and anger, but those feelings don't come from God. I mean, you just take one look at scripture and you see, take heart for I've overcome the world. Rejoice in your trials and even just that scripture in Romans, keep your mind on the spirit and be filled with life and peace. And this last song is an excellent reminder um, to keep our lives centered on Jesus' name, the source of our peace and where our identity lies. So as we stand and sing together, let this song evoke your mind to rest in him today. Let's sing.
Thank our students again for leading us in worship today. Uh, I'm so proud of these guys. I just love so much how God is moving and working in their lives. And, uh, you know, our, our, our youth ministry are, are from like uh, uh, senior year of high school on down. It's called Next Generation. I feel like it maybe should be called the Now Generation. It's not like they're up and coming. They're now. They're they're leading people in worship now. They're making a difference now in their world and in their life and in their schools and how God is using them. So like, hey, if you've got students in your life, if you've got kids, grandkids, nieces, nephews that aren't connected to uh, a youth ministry somehow, some way, this would be a great opportunity for them to come on Sunday nights. And tonight's a worship time too, so they get a super good taste of what it's going to be like. So uh, make sure to come back for that. Speaking of coming back, next week, the second coming of Daniel Davis, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Yeah, our senior pastor. It's great. Yeah. 
Amen. Pastor Dan's going to be back from his three-month sabbatical, so uh, make sure to be back here. Welcome him back nice and big and strong. And uh, his wife, Kathy, too. It'll be great to have them. So I hope today's been an encouraging day for you. I hope today's been a powerful day for you, a day where maybe you just like, yeah, you know what? My perspective has just shifted this much. I can walk with the things of God just a little bit more. So glad you've been here today. I'm Billy. I'm the worship pastor. And I just want to send you out to be a blessing like the way God calls you to be. God bless you guys. See ya. Thanks.